RDT Systems, baby. Dog tested and dog tough. We've got those soft mouth dummies. Now listen, everybody knows that we need more bumpers. I'm not talking about one or two or three. I'm talking about adding bumpers to your repertoire. I like using white or black and white bumpers when I'm training my dogs for marks and even blinds. You can get the orange ones. I dig it. But add a bunch to your repertoire. And I'm again, I'm not talking about three to six. If you're working on T pattern, if you're working on blinds and pattern blinds, you need a bunch, a dozen, 18. The Soft Mouth Dummies by DT can't be beat. Check them out, LoneDuckOutfitters.com. DT Difference. Let's go. Hashtag Man's Best Kennel. It's Gunner Kennels, baby. It's a kit. We had Addison on the, the podcast, a phenomenal dude, always innovating our industry. And one of the things that he brought up is it's a kit. It's not just the kennel itself. You've got the fan 2.0 for your summer, right? Like it's hot out. We got to keep that dog cool. In wintertime, you got the all weather kit. Keeps that poor body temperature in there so the dog doesn't have to work as hard to stay warm. They also have the magnetic door accessory that keeps that body temperature in there. And then the straps. Everybody thinks like, oh, I'll just go to Home Depot and get the cheapo straps. Well, listen, they developed these straps so that basically you can lift a VW bug with the two straps. So if you were to get in a car accident on the way to the duck blind or the training grounds, that dog is going to be beyond strapped and stay safe. Check it out. Gunner Kennels, baby. Slide into the DMs. We'll hook you up. Have you wondered if you want to force fetch your dog? Maybe you think your dog's too soft. Maybe you're too nervous to screw, quote unquote, screw your dog up. Let me help you. I built a start to finish course with different dogs, different breeds, and different personalities from start to finish to show you how that you and your dog can do it successfully and easy. Jump in, links in the description. We'd be happy to help you. Let's go. Let's set goals and get you and your dog where you want to be this duck season. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to an episode of the Brown Dog Academy with your bad-to-the-bone host, the Blaine Tarnecki Cacal. You would know him as the pterodactyl, baby. He's back. We're going to talk all things hunt test. We've got tons of good questions, really, really good questions from our both of our Patreon uh, followers. So we've got some from the Lone Duck Patreon and some from Blaine's Patreon. Um all about hunt test season. So let's get into it real quick. First up, I'm going to ask you to do me a big favor. Go to www.patreon.com forward slash brown dog academy. That right there was a brown dog. If you heard that in the background, that's Blaine's Patreon account. Buy him a drink on Patreon. Tons of great videos on forest fetch, tea pattern, swim by, his setups, all that stuff. Really, really good Really, really good information. Next would be patreon.com forward slash lone duck outfitters, baby. It's a way to support the show. If we've answered your question, if we've helped you it out at all with your dog, check us out. We really, really appreciate it. The next is oh, we got many. Remember uh the last time Kevin on the podcast, we asked people to send in Purina intros. Do we get any goodies? We got one from from uh, one of our Patreon guys, actually. And he said, from 
All right, let me see if I don't butcher it. From the holding blind to the duck blind, you. Oh, hold on. From the holding blind to the duck blind, it's Purina, baby. So I'm going to try it. From the holding blind to the duck blind, it's Purina, baby. So we're going to give it a whirl. I loved it. I appreciated him sending in his uh, his idea. It was fun. It was cool. But yeah, the, the food that fuels a truck alone duck and the food that fuels a truck of Hudson River Retrievers is Purina 3020 Pro Plan Sport, baby. Next up, Traeger Grills. Smoke them if you got them. We had a couple wing dinghies. I'm actually about to do a little bit of quail. We went on a little quail hunt with a few of our bird dogs that are in training and had a great time, and so we're going to smoke up some quail. Next up, Kent Cartridge. Shoot or shoot. Mm, that bismuth. It's not duck season, and I did not shoot the quail with bismuth because I think that's a little frivolous, but they did eat the 7.5 Kent <laughs> real well. So get into them. Kent Cartridge on Instagram. Check them out. Next up, Standing Stone Kennels. These are good friends, Kat and Ethan, and their company is diversified, and they've got Standing Stone Supply. So you can check them out on YouTube at Standing Stone Kennels, but also if you're looking for leads, uh, e-collars, bumpers, all sorts of good stuff, check them out, standingstonesupply.com. Next up, Dr. E-collars, Blaine, the pterodactyl Tarnecki, big Dogtra guy. Talk to me real quick, Dogtra. Dogtra, the only collar you need to ever buy. Uh, just a great product. Always works. Great customer service. If you break one, if you're rough on them, if you lose one, they'll replace your transmitters when you leave them in the field and bush hog them. Um, not for free. That's not their fault, but great company. Uh, always been using them for years. Uh, no problems whatsoever. Absolutely. Same here. And right now we're going through a little bit of a barking problem on our truck. And so we've got the YS300 and the YS600 letting them eat. So check them out, Dogtra Official on Instagram. One of the most important products on my trailer, the bark collars. Oh, God, it saves my sanity, bud. Next up, Gunner Kennels, man's best kennel. Now, Blaine's wife has a beautiful truck, and she undoubtedly has two Gunner Kennels in the back because she is what keeps the wheels turning at Hudson River Retrievers. If if a dog's got to go to the vet, if uh, you, they're doing some breedings and have to go get some AIs done, artificial insemination for you folks, um, Angela... 100% has those Gunner Kennels in the back, and we do the same. Super trustworthy, made in America. You can't go without it. Send us a DM for more information. We'll get you into Gunner Kennel. All right, bud, let's get into the show. Hunt that season. Welcome back. It's good to see you. Yeah, it's good. It's fun, man. The best time of the year. It It is. This time of the year is the exciting part towards the end of the year we're like i just want to stay home this weekend but right now it's game time baby oh yeah it'll wear on your soul after about four months of the season two or three weekends a month some midweeks and travel and hotels and airbnbs and dogs on the road and 
you know, it's it's fun, it's exciting. It takes a good eight or ten tests before I'm ready to be home and go fishing on a Sunday morning. But it's exciting now. Uh, getting started, we ran two last week, a Saturday, Sunday, and then a midweek back-to-back. Uh, got the wheels turning. Good for you. How did you fare? We did good, man. Uh, it was a young crew, two two-year-old dogs running their first hunt tests or their first master test um they all look good they did good the first test i was a little bit worried after the first test that hey we've got one day off and we're about to run another master test with these same young dogs how is this going to work out but i was pleasantly uh, surprised at their line manners and their ability to hold it together as you know you run young dogs too many times in a row even if it was two consecutive weekends you're kind of worried but this was saturday sunday boom one day off tuesday wednesday thursday let's rock and roll again and after the first one i started to be a little concerned before we ran the second one but they held it together no problems no breaking no creeping line mares were great um so very pleased with the young dogs they've got they had last week off and this week off, and then they're going to go run fall line, same crew of dogs with a couple more, and uh, see how they do. Try to get three in, a, you know, three master passes in two and a half weeks is pretty cool. Good for you, man. So uh, I've got a question for you. I know the answer, but when you say you ran Mon- or Saturday, Sunday, Monday off, and then ran Tuesday, Wednesday, what does you don't really mean off? What did you do on Monday? Well, I thought I blew my truck up. I told you about that. Um, we had a pretty exciting, <laughs> eventful day. Um, no, we uh, we ran. We were about five hours from home in Thomasville, Georgia, running a test. Um, knew a lot of the people down there. I told them, look, I'm driving to Sylvania to Stephen Durrance's for a Tuesday, Wednesday master. Could I get with a training group down here and train Monday, get my dogs a little bit tightened back down? And... Uh, got a great opportunity some people that listen may know her um most probably don't unless you're from the southeast but sally sullivan is a amateur from she stays in south georgia uh most of the year has a place up north that she goes to in the summertime in minnesota but um she's 84 85 years old now has been running hunt tests since hunt tests started i don't have any idea how many master passes this woman has she has run every master national since the beginning other than one she missed one year because of health reasons um super cool lady trains her own dogs it's not like she's sending them off with a pro and picks them up she trains her dogs gets up every day works her dogs rides horses behind pointers uh, in her quail preserve on her property in South Georgia. Really interesting lady, tons of knowledge. And so um, she invited me to, to spend the day with her and her training group on Monday and got on a beautiful piece of water. And she asked me to set up a, uh, a set of marks for them and a couple of blinds and uh, set up something that, you know, they wanted a different perspective. They use the grounds all the time. So I set something up. And for my dogs, I simply ran singles. Um, we had four good, we had a landmark and three good watermarks and a land blind and a water blind. I ran them as singles, nothing crazy. They were good, you know, hard hunt test marks, but you know, nothing out of the ordinary. I just wanted my dogs to sit, you know, be still, relax, 
you know, realize that, you know, I can still get you, um, you know, if I need to. And, you know, we, I don't think I even really corrected any dogs. I think we just walked up the line and ran singles, picked up ducks and, you know, got them some exercise and then, you know, finished up and drove to Sylvania and, you know, ran another test. Good for you. Yeah. I would say if I were in that same boat, I did on the same thing. You don't really take the day off. You go back to work. No, you can't take the day off. Yeah. No way you can take the day off. You got to do something with them. One thing that you are a big proponent of after a hunt test weekend, good or bad, but you always go back to work on Monday. You don't take Monday off. I don't know. Yeah, good or bad. People have a great weekend and, hey, we're going to celebrate or, you know, sports, anything. You know, you got a big win and, you know, let's take a day off. I think you got to work harder after the big win. You know, you got to get back to work, get back at it, celebrate it by working, you know, get the dogs back. I mean, these dogs are, we're asking them at this point of the year, they're fresh off a duck season, which presents a whole nother set of problems, or they're fresh off of couch potato season. Um, They haven't been in the water much, regardless of, unless you live in, you know, far South Georgia or Florida or South Texas, you haven't been in the water. And so, you know, we're working out kinks and, and getting these dogs ready. And, you know, you can't – you don't have time to take a day off at this point. And so we're we're busting it every day. You know, we'll – I guess fall line uh, is not a long trip for me. We'll work Friday, um, leave Friday afternoon and head down there. But, you know, the dogs get off Sundays. That's their day off. Yeah, that's my game plan. I'm going to train on Friday and run the test on Saturday at fall line, and I'm sending it, bud. That'll be – so my first hunt test is this upcoming weekend at the Carolina Retriever Club in Chiraw at Cooper Black. I'm excited. I've got a – I think Memphis and Ember are the only dogs that have ran a master test. Everybody else is brand new to the game, young – or excuse me, no. Hunter's going to run as well. He's a master hunter, but he's also a live wire, so <laughs> he's still on the edge of chaos and greatness in any single bound that he takes. So I'm excited for him. He's looking pretty good. Uh, a little loose after duck season, which you just mentioned. You know, they had all that time off from, you know, end of September all the way to mid-January. And so getting that those down the shores and and concepts on water it's it's just a bit rusty once in a while so but he's looking good i'm excited to get back in the game and you know is there anything that you've done with your dogs that haven't gone for this first round like the dogs you mentioned are kind of seasoned vets at running master tests like what have you done unique for your dog for whoever's first one all right so that's a funny and awesome question kevin thank you for bringing it up uh, the ones who haven't run a master test are doing the best right now. The, <laughs> the ones who have ran a master test, Memphis has had about five months off since me and Blaine ran that queue. Uh, Ember has had since master national off and didn't do Jack all winter long, except sleep on a couch and play with tennis balls and eat Cheerios underneath a high chair. So they aren't, <laughs> looking the best the other dogs i feel really good about because they've been training they've been in the groove 
and walk to the line feeling prepared. The other ones are like, I mean, rusty. Now, I'm hoping that experience plays a major role. <laughs> but I can tell you right now, Memphis looked like doggy do the last few days. <laughs> it, but whatever, what are you going to do? You just, oh, dude, it was, I mean, I had to laugh at it because I'm just like, ugh. And then she'll come out on like one of the hardest marks we ran today and front footed it and just did it. But then there are other ones where like, it's freaking right there, belly up dog like whatever but she's she's gonna be fine I'm I'm fully confident in her veteran capabilities but those are the ones I'm more worried about because of the time off and the other ones I feel really prepared for what about you Blaine what are your thoughts on that kind of same question yeah my dogs uh the ones I ran in the test last week have been here most of the winter and so they're not rusty. They were rusty in water. So we took a trip to our buddy Jared Newman, who's going to be listening tomorrow. And he just sent me a couple of sarcastic questions they asked Bob via text messenger. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna read them. Well, I might later on. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, we spent two weeks down there in Central Florida running uh, water tune-up drill for two weeks and got our dogs hey gracie got our dogs back into the swing of things and they they all look good um i've had the only dogs that i've had that haven't been training that would typically be running master tests are four female five females that are all pregnant or with babies now um we had a just a giant breeding program going on this winter i guess but um you know four or five of my best dogs are all with with puppies and not running this season so um, it gave me a good opportunity to work with the young dogs this winter and get them, you know, squared away. And it was a, I had as much fun this past week running master dogs than I've had in a while because they were, you know, the first one you go to with a dog, you don't know. And she's like, ah, I think they're ready. They look good. But, you know, it was Bubba's first hunt test. You know, it was so-and-so's first hunt test, not let alone not first master, first hunt test. And you're like, what are these crazy jokers going to do when, you know, the flower gets shot in the pine woods like they did that first morning? We're in the woods hunting, you know, for a series and, you know, tight, close-up stuff and just bang, bang, bang. And, man, they didn't move. So it was very good to see it. But uh, those dogs have all been training all winter. Um, we've It's been cold in North Georgia this year, and we haven't done water at all until the last week or so here and so it's been tough and we had a good cold spell this weekend and you know we ran water this morning it was it was cold they'd get out and i didn't want to i didn't want them shaking on me uh, it was cold and they were the ones swimming but they're, they're getting back in the swing of things really good young crew of dogs so very excited about the year with them real quick before we jump into questions i want to let everybody know because i think it's super cool my dog Quinn, who it'll be her first master test this weekend. You have her litter mate Posh. I do. And it was really fun. It was really fun to come and train with you a few weeks ago and get to watch her sibling. You know, they they've got a lot of similarities and they've got some differences as well. It was really fun to watch her work. Right. I and would. I, and I, I didn't. Sign. Go ahead. I was just gonna say. I I know you didn't sign her up. She's just a little, I wouldn't say she's behind, but she's just 
two two months from now she'll be rocking and rolling. Let's put it that way. I was this close. The people on the radio can't see how you know close this is on my fingers here, but this close to signing her up for fall line. Um, she that she's got a different story than than yours, and that she was out of training for about eight months until I got her three or four months ago, and so she was. If it was a marking test and a water blind test, I'd run her. But she's just she's not real crisp on her land blinds yet because she hasn't run a lot. She was trained as a derby dog by the Arthurs. Um, I mean, superb marker. I mean, good in the water. She is not going to miss a bird in the water. She's going to run a great water blind. But the only thing she lacks is confidence on her land blinds. If it was two more weeks, I'll probably run her. Not two months, two weeks. She, she's ready. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll get her out. But great little dog. Uh, did real, real nice work today. Yeah, uh, very similar look as Quinn. She, I would say she's a little more mild-mannered on the line. Quinn's a little more animated. Oh, much. So yeah, I'm, much different on the line. Yeah, I'm a little more nervous for Quinn on the line. I think she's going to hold it together because I believe in her, but she is jacked. She's jacked. We'll see. Things will happen. All right, buddy. You want to jump into some some Q&A? We'll do a Brown Dog Academy Patreon. Again, everybody, one more time. It's patreon.com forward slash Brown Dog Academy to help support Blaine and all the information he's sharing with you guys. And then if you want to jump on ours, it's patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. And so, you know, these questions are coming straight from our community on Patreon. So if you want to get in on it, don't hesitate. All right, Blaine, you're up. You're first. All right. Well, I'm going to go not in order of dog levels or hunt test levels, just in order that I received them so that I'm not bouncing back and forth. But here we go. First question from Miss Mallory Monday. She, and I would like to congratulate her on her season title uh, with her, her little black dog this weekend. Congratulations at Middle Georgia in the cold and the wind. Got her season title. And so her question is going from, and this is an HRC hunt test question, going from season to finish, what areas of training need to be focused on and improved? What are common weak points for dogs going forward? Okay, and then another question separate. What are common weak points for dogs going from finished to master? First one, okay, from season to finished. Uh, you know, what, what's the differences? What areas of training do we need to be focused on? I would say for my money, uh, having run lots and lots of HRC tests, the jump from season to finished is way bigger than the jump from started to seasoned. Um, seasoned is looking for does the dog work with me? You know, halfway work with me on a blind. Can it pick up a pretty simple double? Going to now, does the dog really know how to mark? Can it pick up a good hard triple? And will it run a blind inside of the marks in conjunction with the marks? A seasoned blind is always going to be outside of the marking test, not supposed to be influenced by the marks. Your, your hardest thing that I've seen people struggle with the most going into finished was finishing blinds. Um, you know, the judge in a season test 
if your dog will stop and take a cast 50% or better, you're probably going to get through it. A good finish judge that goes by the the book, if you get a couple cast refusals in a row, they're right marginal. You know, you get three in a row, they're not real happy with you at this point. You know, they want to see you finish the blind at the end. They don't want to see a dog get loose and start hunting and win the bird and pick it up. They don't want to see you let your dog get, you know, east or west of the blind and wind it and come over and pick it up. They want you to finish the blind. They want to see that whistle at the end of a blind when your dog starts to hunt a little bit and you put them on the bird. And so my knowing her dog, Baker, he's a good little dog. Knowing her dog and watching her dog... I would say you really need to work on blinds. Have more control on your blinds. Be in control of the situation. Your dog needs to sit when you blow that whistle. It needs to take the cast. And so that's, to me, the biggest, the number one thing I see most amateur handlers fail a finish test for is the end of a blind, the last 10, 20 yards. And I think another point that you made that's super important, and I want to explain a little bit more is the difference between seasoned and finished blinds where what he described everyone is the the marks don't or shouldn't don't or shouldn't influence the blind meaning the blind should be kind of completely out of the picture of the dog so that it's not getting sucked back to a fall area of a mark it's just, it's over here, you go run a blind, and then you go get these marks. Or you go get these marks, and then over here you go run this blind. And it's just, it's separate. When you go to finished, that's going to be behind the gun of a mark. It's going to be in between through mark A area. and B. And through, through the fall area. And so you have way more intensity, way more degree of difficulty on that blind when it's in conjunction with where the marks are falling in that field or in that pond. Right. Absolutely. And another thing I would say, be prepared for, it doesn't happen all the time, but typically once a season, if I'm running a bunch of finish tests, I'm going to see a setup where I'm going to pick up the triple on the way back from the triple, they're going to throw a diversion bird. And so for you AKC people out there in HRC, every seasoned and finished test is required to have a diversion bird not just a diversion shot there's going to be a bird thrown out in front of your dog on the way back with another bird whether it be a mark or a blind i've seen a lot of finished tests where after the third bird's picked up of the triple you're on your way back they throw another bird out into the test in front of your dog your dog can't switch they bring back the duck they're carrying you know them off the diversion run a blind so you're into a, a poison bird scenario. So, you know, I'd want my dog to be, you know, very well versed on running a poison bird because you might see it. You can see it. Um, you know, they're not supposed to interrupt the marks. They're supposed to keep the marks as a triple, but they can do a poison bird in that fashion. So it's just something, you know, a little advice for Mallory, you know, make sure your dog can do that. You know, it's you're probably not going to see it more than once or twice a season, if that, but you could see it. So why not be prepared for it? So it's, it's control. The finished level, finished level control is way more than season level control. That's the, the main point. 
Now, real quick, because in fairness, I don't run and haven't ran in a long time HRC. So in seasoned, are they being required and asked of to be on dog stands and stuff like that? Or is, you know, I've ran one finish test where we were on a, a Momar stand in a swamp you know, shucking, you know, shoot two at the first bird, a third, re-rack another one, shoot a third. Like, is that at finished, or can you see stuff like that in seasoned as well? Yeah, absolutely can be uh, see a dog stand in seasoned. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, you can. They'll, they'll run them off a dog stand. Not a lot, but they will. They're going to have a lot of decoys out. They're going to have – it's going to be a good little hunting test, but you can run off a dog stand and – you know you you could see that from time to time definitely i've definitely seen it over the years and run several season tests off a dog stand cool okay good all right well i I, that good to know um now to her second portion of the question going from finished to master right for me i don't see much that i change in my training regardless of the venue really between finished and master if it's a new dog to finished there'll be times where i'm gonna sit on a bucket and i'm gonna shuck the gun and shoot poppers for a day or two before the test but it's not a huge deal for those dogs uh for the most part um finished to master you know as far as the dog's concerned you know you'll run two blinds in a series instead of one you know big deal um you're gonna get your duck call and your shot in the field in the master test which i didn't know this maybe you did bob but the duck call is not required and the second master test we ran this weekend we did not get a duck call in the field um for any bird in we got for one bird in three series a duck call before the shot and so it's not a requirement um, it's something they can, you know, you can do, but you don't have to do it. You have to do the shot in the field, but you don't have to do the duck call. But nevertheless, your dog's still getting a shot in the field. They got, they've got a very good chance of seeing the bird, you know, if they look towards where the shot's coming from. Um, you know, the only thing that I would say in a master test is your dog has to be, you know, a little bit more versed on water and getting in water, uh, not, you know, missing a a piece of water in a finish test you literally per the rules could never get in the water in a water triple and still pass and so that's the difference in a master test you know if it's a water test they're going to want to see your dog in the water Um, to me that you know another big difference is not always it's not a rule but most finish tests you're going to get birds splashing in the water and most master tests you're not going to get birds splashing in the water and so they're they're usually going to be thrown dry on the other side of a piece of water you know make sure your dog's you know good and prepared for that that they're not afraid to to get out of the water and push up a hill you know master test you typically running from further away from the water than at a finished test you know obviously it's not a rule again it's just the way hrc does things and the way akc does things they're not written in stone that you have to you know be on the water's edge in a finish test but most of the time you're pretty close to the water and so little things like that are different but if a dog is a good strong hrch dog it shouldn't have much problem with a master test and vice versa yeah the only thing i would 
I'd agree with you. The only thing I would add, and it be, it comes down to more being a, a good handler and being conscious of what you do during training, but in HRC you can talk to the dog on the line when the marks are going down. In AKC, you can't. Once you call for a bird in AKC, you can't talk to the dog again. So if you've been running HRC and your dog's used to you going, bang, sit, here, sit, bang, sit, here, sit, bang, sit, and then you go to a master test and all of a sudden it's sit, bang, quack, 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 bang, quack, 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 bang, quack, 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 bang, and all of a sudden a little bit of creeping goes on because it's not, it doesn't hear you tell him sit, so he starts to get away with it. You know, so that's something I would think about in training is A, practice that, and B, you know, practice it so that you don't make a mistake at the test and accidentally tell the dog to do something when you're not supposed to because some judges will drop you, some judges will give you a warning. And then B, make sure your dog isn't so accustomed to you telling it what to do when marks are going off that when you don't tell them what to do when marks are going off, they stay still. That'd be the only other caveat I'd add. Other than that, the pterodactyl crushed it. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. You know, I, and the way I handle that is, you know, when marks are going off, no matter what my dog's going to run, I'm not, I'm not talking to it. You know, whether it's an HRC dog or an AKC dog, I'm not talking to it. Um, I find that the less you talk to them at a test, the better they are anyway. And so people, yeah. people worry. That's a great question because people worry about, I can't talk to my dog. Uh, most likely your dog's going to be probably a little bit more steady by not talking to it. And they just sit there because, you know, you're talking and moving and doing what you do is getting them excited. And so, uh, you know, don't, don't say a word to your dog in training is the best way to do it. If it moves, whack yep. them. Whack, whack, whack. We got the healing stick. All right, what you got? Another one? I got lots of them, bud. Lots of them. Let them rip. Um, William Gable. This would be more of a. This would be more day of than prep. But talk about making a plan to pick up the birds. What goes into making that plan? What are you looking at while the test dog is running? What are you looking at while in the last holding blind or two? And then what do you do if things don't go according to plan, i.e. dog doesn't see one of the birds? Great question, William Gable. Um, Holy crap, that's a phenomenal question. Yeah, great question. And William's run, William's a, an HRC judge. Um, I ran his dog Buns at Master National in Idaho. Um, great little dog. But for me, I, I watch the dogs run, not just the test dog. I do watch the test dog closely. And typically when I see the order of the marks thrown, where they're thrown, from experience, I know this is how I'm probably going to pick this up. Um, We can go into that in just a moment. But I've already formulated a plan. I'm going to watch the test dog do it. You know, I always hope that a test dog is a pretty good dog. And I also hope that the handler doesn't intervene too quickly. Because I want to see what the dog does when it gets in trouble. And where does the dog win the bird? When, where does the dog, you know, get in trouble on the blind? But nevertheless, I'm going to watch that test dog. And on a typical weekend test, I'm going to have my plan together when that test dog, before it runs. Um, for me, and it's, this isn't a 
tried and true blueprint for every single marking setup, but I'm typically picking up go bird next shortest and then last bird. Um, I'm cleaning up the test on the way. Now there's there's differences in, you know, you get a, a different kind of a setup and, and that's not possible, but I'm going to try to pick up the next closest bird so that my dog doesn't kind of, you know, go for a long bird and switch and go pick up a short bird, something like that. Um, the way I prepare for what I'm going to do really is going to depend on the order of the marks, what they look like. But for, you know, the average handler that hasn't run a lot of dogs and a lot of tests and maybe it's their first finished or master test, I would, you know, look on Entry Express before you go. Find, you know, somebody that you know that has a lot of experience, a pro, somebody that you respect stand next to them when the test dog is running and say hey and i know people have done this to me before hey are there any tricks to this what do i need to do and i'll say don't overthink it pick up that bird that bird and this bird that's how you do it now part two of his question what if the dog didn't see one of the birds i'm picking it up last you know that's that's it i am not going to get into my you know go bird next you know next closest long bird after the, if they didn't see a bird i'm gonna go pick up the go bird pick up the one they saw and then we're gonna go to work on the last bird you know it's it's about at this point teamwork does the dog trust where i'm sending him will the dog take a line for me i'm gonna look at the wind you know if the bird was on right to left and the wind's blowing right to left then i'm gonna line that dog up a little bit to the left of the bird and hope you know that it goes out goes out sees a holding blind starts towards the holding blind you know wins the bird and so play the wind and you know you have to have a good dog that's going to take your line regardless of whether it saw the bird or not um you know i don't typically i'm going to send the dog on their name in that instinct because my dog is going to leave if i say their name or back it doesn't really matter but um, you know, some people try to get tricky and say, well, I'm just going to run a blind for that last one and pick it up. I was like, no, no, no. Just line your dog up right, send it on its name, and see what happens. You can always stop him and blow the whistle and run the blind, but let's not get into this battle and, and, and you know, just tell the dog we're running a blind right away unless it's oblivious that there's even a mark out there. But I, I don't get real tricky if they don't see the bird. I just wait till last and pick it up last. Yep, 100% agree. You know, another rule of thumb that people will say is outside, outside, middle. But I think the the majority is the next shortest bird. And just to maybe take one step further to what Blaine explained, if you go pick up the go bird, so let's say we're running a triple. We got a bird off to our right, uh middle bird and a bird off to our left and that's that last bird down is your go bird you send that dog out they go and get it the next shortest bird is the right bird so you are going to pick it up outside outside middle but anyways you're going to go pick this up what if your dog comes back and is like dead set on that middle bird and you decide oh i'm not going to screw with him i'm going to go pick it up i'll let him eat yeah, I, uh, you know, I would too. Most dogs, yeah, most dogs, I'm going to let them go get the one it wants next. I'll go ahead and train on that Monday, but weekend of the test, someone's paying me to get a ribbon. 
if the dog is dead set on getting that middle bird or the long bird next unless you know there's always a you know a caveat to that and you know you know if i send him for this bird he's gonna win this bird and it's gonna you know he's gonna not really switch but change and then you got a problem punching them back up in there um but in a scenario where the marks are pretty you know wide open and spread apart if the dog comes back and wants that other bird go get it i'm not we're not going to get an argument i might try once hey here let's you know let's go get this one if they're like no i want this one then i'm gonna i'm not gonna ask it more than once i'm gonna go ahead and let it get that bird unless i feel like you know there is obviously going to be a problem by going and getting that bird next i'm not going to fight it on the test day completely agree the only difficult part and this is the part point i wanted to make is when that dog goes long it then becomes difficult for the dog in the heat of the moment to then check up short so that's why blaine was saying go the next shortest bird is because if the dog runs long runs long and you got to check up and pick up a short bird it's gonna have a full steam ahead and typically especially if they're on the wrong side of the wind or whatever, they're going to blow past it. And now you're going to either have to handle them back to it or cross your fingers or whatever the case may be. But that's why he was explaining next shortest bird, because if the dog's getting used to rolling, checking up and picking up a real short bird is difficult. Right. And I don't want to, also, I don't want to run by a short bird to pick up a long bird as a memory bird just for the fact of them getting halfway to the longbird and realize, oh, crap, there's one right there. I'll go get it. And then you're burning that line to that longbird already. And so, yeah, there's lots of reasons why I'm going to pick up the next closest bird. But, more, yeah. you know, the, most, the biggest reason is what you just said. Cool. All right, I got one from one of our Patreon guys. His name is Warren Flint. With hunt test season coming up, what do you do with high rollers slash fire-breathing dragons to calm them down and focus? Do you all add in any extra obedience, or do you throw singles with an emphasis on slowing down? I'll let you go first. And I'll preface this by saying I've got a couple questions very similar to that um, from several people. So... You know who you are. If you asked a similar question, I'm probably not going to read your question now. It's not because I don't like you. It's because it's just been asked. So there we go. Um, <clears throat> all my dogs are, are crazy, high-rolling dogs. Um, what you do Monday through Friday every week is going to determine what that dog does on Saturday and Sunday at your hunt test. What you accept on Tuesday is what you're going to get on Saturday. And so my high-rolling, crazy, jacked-up, wild dogs are wild in training. And guess what? They get a swift boot in the butt. You know, they don't, they're not allowed to move in training. We don't do anything special with them. We just don't accept anything other than perfectly statue, sitting still, not moving a foot, not blinking eyes too fast. And they get accustomed to, you know, being, I want my dogs to be happy and free and fun. And so that high rolling dog, I 
I try to intensify that before we run a set of marks or run some lines. I want the dog to be excited because I want that same intensity that I know I'm going to get at a hunt test to be there in training. I don't want a dog that's scared to come out of the holding blind and that slinks to the line with his tail tucked between his legs because every day in training he gets, you know, gets his ass beat. And so we're going to try to work on, you know, walking. And I got Will walking around. What's up, bud? Hold on. We got a, a malfunction here. All right. Sorry about that. Many technical difficulties. Kevin is going to be editing. So we are checking into this. Blaine, you were discussing something poignant. I was discussing uh, your question about high rolling dogs getting really high at tests. And what do we do about that? We, we expect perfection in training every single day. Every single mark, every single blind, we don't accept movement. We don't accept, you know, tail wagging too fast. Um, you know, you, you set a standard that is hard to achieve every single day, but that's the standard. And you don't allow for anything other than that. And I don't throttle my dogs down. I just don't allow them to move. I want them to be fast and excited and having fun. And I want that in training so that when we get to a test, we're not going from level three excitement to level 10 excitement. We're always at level 10 excitement from Monday through Friday. Um, you know, but you know, any kind of movement, we're going to get a stick correction. We're going to get a, a collar correction. We're going to get a, a verbal. We're going to get a physical. I'm going to put my hands on your correction, but we're not going to. You know, we're not doing much different with that dog than any of the dogs because they're all pretty excited and, and fast. And, um, you know, I think some people get a dog at one point that's kind of slow and doesn't really like doing it. And then they get an excited dog that's fast and likes doing it and they don't really know what to do. You set your standard and you stick with it and you accept nothing other than what your standard is. And that's the standard that you want to, you know, go in from Friday to Saturday morning at a hunt test. You know, can you do things to set your dog up to possibly get a correction in training? Sure. Um, it's hard for the guy with one or two dogs to build that excitement, though, in a setup, uh, you know, in a, in a training scenario for, for them day to day. But, you know, that's when you, you know, look for a training group. You look for a trainer to go spend the day with. Get your dog out in honor, you know pay for a flyer or two and let them shoot a flyer for your dog. Get anything that you can that's going to amp that dog up. You know, what are those trigger points at a hunt test that amp the dog up? Is it just the fact that they're around a lot of dogs and a lot of smells? Well, the only way to recreate that in training is to be around a lot of dogs. And so you have got to find someone to go train with and, and be a part of a bigger group. I agree. I agree. Uh, one thing that I do that in the police dog world that they, they term it, Blaine, they call it drive capping. And I never really, like, I still can't wrap my head around drive capping because I'm not a scientist. I'm just a dog trainer. Um, but, but in essence, in essence is asking the dog to do multiple things before it gets rewarded with what it wants the most. So, for instance, if I have a dog 
I'll use Hunter as an example, he or Quinn or or any of them, where if they come out of the holding blind a little bit more exuberant than they should. Like you had mentioned, I want them up high. I want them jacked. I want them happy. I love that. But I need it under control. We need to have that discipline to be happy but think straight. I'll put them back in the holding blind. I'll make them sit longer. I'll heal them away. I'll come back. I'll run a blind. I'll run two blinds. And then they go get their mark. So, you know, a KRD drill, which we've done a ton of and we've talked about on the podcast and they're on both of our Patreons. It, it's it's a, a place where they see a mark, we know them off it, we run a blind. So they see this exciting thing that they really, 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 really want. We're telling them, no, not yet, go run a blind. I'm asking more of them until, and then they get rewarded with their mark and it helps build a little bit of patience. And so with a young dog, one thing you could do is have a mark get thrown, basically know them off of it, heal them away, get them under control at heel, turn back around, sit them down, and send them. Um, it, like at the basic, at the youngest of levels, that's a way for you to say, hey, you got overexcited. Maybe you don't want to give a physical correction or a stick correction or a collar correction. I'm a proponent of it just like Blaine is. He would nod in agreement that I'm not afraid to get into it. But here's a way to be on the more quote-unquote passive way. He's nodding right now. And now he's doing a shimmy shake. Here's a more passive way to say, no, man, you got a little excited. I'm going to ask you to do one, two, three, and now you get to go get the bird. So... Those high rollers are way more fun to run. They're a lot more to handle. It takes more finesse, more nuance, and probably more corrections to get the job done. But that doesn't mean corrections are always the answer. So, cool. Great question. All right, Pterodactyl, you got another one from your Patreon account? Absolutely. Hold on. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Uh, Jonathan Blankenship asks, generally... Finished level blind expectations. Are you graded on a solid marginal or fail system? So he's talking about HRC. And I, I read this question earlier, so I know where he's going to go this next point. And so I'm assuming, Jonathan, that you have seen or more, ran more AKC than HRC. Because he says, at a recent test, I saw several handlers tweet, tweet their dog back in just a little bit, but not, you know, all the way in to either correct a crooked sit uh, for the upcoming cast or just to move him back into a better position. And I don't, he says, I didn't think you could do that. Are you penalized for that? And for marking, well, let me stop there and answer that question first. And so there is a definitive difference in the casts that are acceptable in a master test and a finish test. In a finish test, there are three acceptable casts. A cast, and this is in the rule book, a cast to the line to the blind, to the bird, or back to the handler. In an AKC test, there are two acceptable casts. A cast to the line to the blind and to the bird, not back to the handler. 
And so in an AKC test, no, you are not allowed to bring your bat, your dog back forward towards you to position yourself for a better cast. In HRC, you are allowed to do that. That's an acceptable cast. And so, Jonathan, you probably saw maybe more AKC tests and then saw in a finish test people doing that. And that's just a difference in the rules uh, for running a blind in both venues. Um, I think that's what you're getting at on that. Bob, do you have anything to add to that before I go to part two of his question? Okay. He says, for marking, will the judge ever tell you to put your dog on the bird or are you at the liberty to let your dog continue to hunt, assuming you're confident they'll eventually dig it up? Um, for that, I think it's also a, a difference in venues. In HRC, I, I've run both of them a lot. And in HRC test, especially the grand, you are going to be more apt for a judge to tell you, go ahead and handle your dog, put him on the bird, than an AKC. I have found in, I don't... I don't know if I can count on one hand the number of times an AKC judge has told me to handle my dog, regardless of how big their hunt was. They're either going to mark them so far down in, in on marking on that mark that you're out anyway, or you, you know you're out. Your dog's hunting the whole field for the bird. Um, but very rarely do they tell you to put your dog on the bird. In finished, they will tell you to put your dog on the bird when they've seen enough after a prolonged hunt or if a dog leaves the area if a dog's in the area hunting they're not going to say anything but if they're in and out of the area and they're not really making progression to the to the bird in a finish test they're going to eventually tell you to go ahead and put your dog on a bird if you hear that you're not you know that's not good but it's it's a difference in venues yeah yeah that would be like hearing that from a judge you'd be like and you just got to do it, you know, in the grand, they're going to do it pretty quick, but in a finish test, they'll, you know, some judges will tell you, go ahead and handle your dog. He's not going to find it. But in AKC, I found that they, you know, if long as your dog's not just gut hunting all over the field and your dog's over there looking for the bird and is in the same zip code, they're not going to get. You know, they're, you know, they're also judging perseverance in an AKC test. Hey, your dog's in there hunting and hunting and hunting and hunting. You just can't find the bird. Hey, let them hunt. They're hunt this is a hunting dog test. You know, that's the epitome of what it is. It's a hunting test. And so let the dog hunt it and find it. And I don't, I don't know that I've had, I don't remember the last time I had an AKC judge say, put your dog on a bird. I've never so, had one. I think it's I think your question Jonathan on both parts is more a rule and physio- uh, philosophical uh difference between the two venues. And so you know I, this question wasn't asked but I'll just go ahead and say it know the rules and the expectations of both venues. They're different. Neither is right or wrong. It's just different. And so know what to expect um, from, you know, from a set of judges from the, the different venues and how they're operated. Yeah. And that, uh, the point you just made about different judges, that's a really good point that as you're watching dogs run, you're going to start seeing what they're looking for as a standard. 
And if you see dogs get dropped for something that the weekend before would have let slide, well, now you know you better not let it slide. Now you better know you should address it. Um, so understanding who is judging you and what they expect out of a dog is a key to success. You're playing to the crowd. Even though there's a rule book with, you know, page three, section two, uh, paragraph eight, they're going to reference it. Well, the weekend before they didn't and they let that slide. Well, that was last weekend. And they may not have been as savvy a judges or they just might have been more relaxed. It's you have to kind of watch and listen and learn so that you don't fall into a pitfall that three dogs before you did. Don't let your dog do that. I know my dog, uh, you know, I would say creeping would be one of them maybe where I don't know. I guess I don't have a creeping problem it's either they sit still or they don't but you know creeping some judges will let it slide pretty far other judges put a dog you know on leash and and you're gone you know that's not something you can work on that moment that day and at the test but something I'd be thinking about or cast refusals or where the dogs get out of water or get in the water or don't get in the water and so people will handle and all of a sudden they get in a battle and now they're out and three dudes later he let them run the bank and he stayed in so there's things to watch and be strategic to be successful all right and one thing somebody told me years ago was no matter what venue you're running whether you're running a trial a hunt test akc hrc and srs don't give the judges something to judge. Oh, yeah. So if my dog sits still on the line, they're not worried about that. They're not marking me down for line manners. If my dog stops when I blow a whistle, they're not looking at that. You know, if my dog's making progression to the bird, they're not worried about what I'm doing. Don't give your judge, you know, don't give them something to judge. Have a strong foundation. If and not trying to be mean about this, but if you're worried about, you know, your dog doing certain things wrong at a hunt test, then don't run yet. Great point. There you go. I mean, if 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 I'm worried about, well, my dog's creeping a little bit and gets excited. Well, train. What's the rush? Let's not go to a hunt test on a you know women a prayer hoping my dog sits still this weekend. Our dog. I mean, I'm going to have a dog break. Bob's going to have a dog break. We're all going to have dogs break. We're all going to have dogs do stupid dog things. They're going to dog us, you know, on occasion because they're dogs. But I'm not signing dogs up for a hunt test, you know, thinking, man, I hope they sit when I blow the whistle. I hope they mark good. I hope they walk to the line good. I know all of those things are all within their wheelhouse to run this particular level of test. And if the dog acts like it knows to act, it's going to pass the test. I'm not going to worry about those little things going into a test because I feel like I'm prepared enough uh, going into it or I wouldn't have signed them up. And so, you know, don't sign your dog up before they're ready is I guess the best advice for a lot of those questions um, that, that people are asking about obedience and, 
Um, you know, dogs getting excited at the test and, you know, there's nothing, not even, you know, we ran a lot of dogs today on a lot of setups. Nothing we could do is going to simulate the excitement that a dog gets at a trial. Just not going to happen. You can't do it. Even with, if, if Bob and I train together, you know, we've got 40, 50, 60 dogs with us to train that day. And it's just boom, boom, boom. We're running dogs out. We're getting dogs in the holding blinds. We're doing things. You're still not simulating the high that they get at a test. They know when they're at a test. Even if they've never been to a test before, they know. But for me, it'll go back to the first thing we said in answering this question. I want my dogs jacked and high every day in training because that's how they're going to be at a test. So if we can work through and do this work good in training with a high dog, then I know I'm going to work through it and do good in a test with the high dog because that's what they are. I'm not going to try to throttle that dog dog down and beat them down to make them a not high dog. We're going to be excited and go out there and, and just rock it. So um, don't – yeah, just I, – I think, you know, we, we look into it too deeply sometimes. You know, tra- train your dog. Go out there and do it. All right, so I got one from Ryan. I'm going to butcher his last name. Koshenet. Oh, Touching it. Good. Yeah. I'm not sure. It's a good name, though. So, <laughs> so Ryan says, and, and this is going to be, I, I'm going to caveat to what we just said. So I'm going to answer his question because it's a, we can add a little nuance to help him, but it's very similar to what we just said. He asked, any tips or recommendations for someone running their first hunt test this spring slash summer? He's got uh, his trainer has two junior passes on his dog, and he wants to get the next two. And then he's hoping to run senior in June, July. So my thought is, you know, the dog is of the caliber to run junior already. It's got two junior passes. You should be good to go. Make sure that you, if you're doing it and not your trainer, have built enough relationship, obedience, right, that that control, that whatever you want to call it, going to the line, bringing your birds back to you nicely, all that good stuff, practice, you and your dog doing the junior stuff. Now going from junior to senior in a in a two-month span, man, to me that just, I, I'm not sure. that That's a, a question maybe, Ryan, me and you need to have uh, on a side note to help you decide whether your dog is really ready. I mean, they need to honor another dog extremely reliably they need to still be steady during two shots and a live flyer they need to be running really i mean at senior their blinds don't have to be perfect but you don't want to be the guy that's blowing 800 whistles and your dog's going hard left when you're giving them a hard right so we've got to make sure that the tools are in the tool belt for your dog so that when you go from junior to a senior you're you're ready and blaine hit the nail on the head we aren't running dogs until they're ready we are training to a higher standard so that when they get to the test they're underwhelmed they're underwhelmed you know you're not wondering if they're going to pass they should pass now can they still be a dog because they're a dog yes could they break because they're a dog yes but everything in our power 
is done to a higher standard than what they're going to see test day to make sure that we're there. So that that's what I would say. Just make sure that your dog is performing above the level that you're going to go and run at so that when they get to the test, things are like, oh, boom, boom. All right, we're going to run over blind. Boop, boop, boop. I'm there. Go to the next one. So be over-prepared and you'll be fine. That would be my thought. Anything you want to add or you want to jump into one more of your questions? No, that's that's perfect. You know, trying to a level above. All right, let's do another one, and then we'll we'll sign her off. Unless you got a few that you think are really hammers. Gosh, man, I got some good ones, bud. Um, All right, then let's rattle through. I've got quicker. a few. Let's yeah, I got a few. Let's go. Let's go quick. This one. This one won't take a minute. Zachariah Young uh, seems like, and this is a Boykin question, but not really. Um, seems like most Boykin people go through HRCH and then do Master Hunter in AKC. Thoughts on doing it in reverse? Uh, for a boy can get an AKC titles before an HRCH. Um, I, I don't think it matters. I think it just where most pe- boy can people ran HRC before they ran AKC. That's where they're more comfortable at. They do that first. They get HRCH and they try to run master. But I don't think there's a big difference going from the other direction to HRC. I think it's just personal preference. What you're most comfortable with, not going to be a big deal. Um, that that's my quick you know simple answer to the question um nothing big he also asked though favorite drills for a junior dog and first time handler for this i'll say this um to me for started or junior i want my dog sitting still in a holding blind i want my dog very good at walking on lead to the bucket other than that you're going to pick up singles, buddy. I'm going to hold your collar. You know, do a, set up a holding blind every day in training. Walk out of that holding blind to the bucket, to the mat, to whatever you're running from, and expect good obedience. Um, if you if you have a dog that'll go retrieve a duck and bring it back to you, then you know your your biggest problem at this point is just line manners, and you don't want a dog dragging you to the line, even though. Most judges aren't going to fail you for that. Uh, I don't want a dog bouncing around in a holding blind. Sit still in the holding blind and go to the line, do your job, and let's get the heck out of here after we pick up our two singles. Anything to add to that? Nope. I think you nailed it. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's, that's pretty much it on that. Um, Louise Bryan asked this question. She asked a couple questions. Once a dog can do cold blinds either on land or water or both, do you then typically run blinds with the marks or keep running blinds separate from marks? Or do you vary between running blinds separately and running them with marks? Um, For me, I vary those things. At first, with a young dog, I'm going to keep them pretty separate. Even for some of my old, old dogs, I keep them separate. A lot of times that's for logistic purposes and getting done my large crew of dogs uh in a timely fashion and you know so for me it's going to vary um i'm not going to typically run a young dog on blinds through the same place we just ran marks or with a bunch of holding blinds or stick men out um because it's just too much for them Um, or if i do that i'm going to run the blinds first before i pick up the marks 
um, if that makes sense. So um, it's going to be determined by the dog, but I'm going to, it's going to vary for me, you know, from day to day. Some days today we didn't run a blind with a mark all day. We ran marks and then we ran some blinds. We ran some marks and then ran some blinds. We didn't run them together in the same field and the same setup on the same pond. It wasn't because of the dogs. It was because of time management and that's the way we did it. So, uh, I don't think that really matters once a dog can run a blind good. Yeah, I, I guess I don't really have anything to add other than maybe emphasize a point that you made on the transition dog. The dog that's new to running blinds, that is building confidence, adding factors like uh, bird boys and wingers in the field and holding blinds in the field is going to up the level of distraction and degree of difficulty on running the blinds when they're already in that early stage of not really sure what the heck's going on. So when they're young, minimize those distractions, have it be a clear, concise deal what you're doing. We're running blinds. This is what we're here to do and teach and get them casting and get them sitting uh, on the whistle really well and worry about building really good blind running skill set. And then as you go, you're adding more difficulty. So then it would be one holding blind in the field and then it'll be a, you, all of your holding blinds in the field and, and you come out and you run your blinds and then your bird boy goes out there or whatever and you start running your marks and then you, you add more to it as you go. But Typically for me, like Blaine said, it depends on the day, depends on what we're working on. Um, a lot of times, Blaine, and I think you would agree to this, it's like, man, it's uh, 3.30, we've gotten two setups done, and it's only 3.30. Let's put out two blinds and just cruise until we're done. Um, that's kind of one of those things we'll do is, well, let's just run some blinds right now because all the bird boys want to go home. Everybody wants to be done except us. And so we'll just run a few more blinds just to run a few more blinds. But, yeah, I think it's a phenomenal question. No, great question. I totally agree with what Bob said. It depends on the dog. you got to train the dog you have. If the dog's ready to run through an old fall, throw the marks first, then run the blind. If they're not, I'm going to run the blind first and then throw the birds. And, you know, you look at them all differently. So, you know, it's all dependent on, on the dog and – what you have to work with, and it's a case-by-case -case, uh, study, so to speak. All right, Matt Bork. Uh, Matt is asking a question about Boykin Spaniel National Field Trial. He's got a young, he's got a young dog. Um, he's close to running swim-by, but won't be ready before the trial, and so he's running novice. And for those that aren't familiar with uh, Boykin Spaniel Nationals, the novice stake is – uh, it's, it's singles. It's for younger dogs. Um, and so he wants to know, what do I do to, you know, some good drills or tips to try to get some kind of prep done for potentially cheaty watermarks in the trial. And, uh, Matt, you will see some cheaty watermarks at the novice at the nationals. And so it is what it is. Um, you can't handle your dog to teach the approved route on a watermark yet because you haven't been through the proper steps. And, you know, it's going to depend on a dog, you know, is the dog watery? Is a dog 
you know, not the kind of dog that is going to miss a piece of water because it doesn't want to fight factors. You know, what kind of dog do you have? People, there's lots of different methods people use to de-cheat dogs before swim by or even, you know, there are a lot of people that don't do swim by and they're still going to de-cheat their dog. And they're going to either make the banks hot with a collar or uh, lots of different things. I don't do that. If the dog hasn't been through swim by, I mean, there's, I don't have any drills or tips to provide to teach a dog to stay in the water other than be overly excited and exuberant at the line. You know, when your dog is, has gotten the mark and you want it to get back in the water, I'm going to move to the side that's going to, you know, ask the dog to more reliably get in the water. I might have a bumper in my hand waving it to try to get its attention so it, you know, gets its mind off of moving, you know, skipping a piece of water and just getting in and swimming back to me. I might even throw a bumper to get the dog. I did that today. I was throwing birds for young dogs and a dog was trying to go around and I threw a bumper back towards Bree who was running the dog so the dog would, you know, go towards that bumper and get back in the water. You know, things like that are all I can I can add to this, Bob. I don't know if you have any tri- tricks for that if you can't handle the dog. The only thing I would add is I'm assuming your dog's through force fetch because you're going you're you're starting the contemplating the swim by uh, right. deal. And and so let me preface this by saying he didn't do swim by because the water's too cold still where he is. So he's ready okay. for swim by, just can't. Gotcha. So what I would do is I would take the dog back around, you know, if he cheats, he, you throw a mark on the other side of the shore, he goes through the water and gets it, he gets out of the water, comes back via the bank. I'm going to then take the dog without pressure and walk all the way back around the bank, sit the dog down, I'm going to walk all the way back around the bank to where I originally started, if not further away, so that it's more beneficial for him to come through the water to get to me and then i'm going to call the dog if he goes and cheats the bank again you say no and you walk the dog all the way back around and do it again and again and again until when you say here he comes through the water throw it again and hopefully you your point will have been made and that is the non-pressure way i mean it's it's a little stressful for him but it's not pressure via a collar or handling where the dog can understand when I get out of the water on the other side of a pond, I have to come back through the water. That would be the only thought I'd have for him. Um, but if it is cheaty, 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 it's probably going to cheat. <laughs> so That's it. And look, if, if you're worried about the return, if I'm judging you at the Boykin Nationals novice, once your dog made it to that bird and got the bird... I don't give a rat's butt how he gets back. I just don't. Yeah, but this ain't don't. this ain't pass this ain't pass foul though at the Boykin National. Uh, but if you're going for the win, you want to hey, bud. through the water. Hey, bud. I know, but I can. I've got plenty. I'm going to set the mark up where I don't need to judge the return. That's just me. But I get what you're saying, Matt. Great question. Um, you got to work with what you have, and what Bob said is really the only way to do it. Um, you know. You just got to, you know, you're, you're working through attrition to get, get the job done. Um, hold on a second. Let me pull back my, my questions. I got just maybe one or two more. Um, I know Mike Brady had one. 
Mike Brady's always going to ask a question. We love Mike Brady. Um, <laughs> Renegade. Uh, Renegade's in here. Renegade. Renegade's in heat right now, so she's kind of. Um, I saw a picture of her on the Facebooks in her uh, panties. So, uh, poor Renegade. Uh, Michael's got a question concerning the Boykin SRS coming up May twenty eighth. If you're a Boykin owner and you're listening to this podcast, I, I said May twenty eighth. Whatever Memorial Day weekend is, um, the first ever srs sponsored boykin specialty srs exciting um memorial day weekend at pepper's pond in arkansas um he wants to know uh, what are some of the tricks they can throw at you at the srs i'm talking about things we normally don't train for for instance running a blind from a remote sit or a diversion bird being thrown on the way out to a blind Stuff like that. What are some of the things that we need to prepare for? Mike, let me give you a little idea about the SRS, bud. And Mike and I know each other pretty well. Mike and Bob know each other pretty well. We can be pretty frank with uh, Mr. Mike here. Mike, there ain't nothing you can do to prepare for what they might do. And so um, there's no rules in what they can do, so there's no way possible you can get into the mind of that judge and prepare yourself for what they're going to do. Um, I would say, as a guy that has a little bit of experience in SRSs, I don't have a lot of experience. I've been running for the last few years. Uh, I know that every weekend I go to an SRS, they do something that I haven't seen before. And so don't beat yourself up and go crazy in trying to prepare for tricks because you don't know what tricks they're going to give you. Worry more about control. Worry about your dog marking good. Worry about your dog, you know, running good blinds, handling well. And know this, they're not going to drop you for handling. You got to pick up the birds, bud. It doesn't matter how you pick them up. Just pick them up. Let the scores fall where they are. You can't, you know, I used to like come up with crazy setups on the week before an SRS. Hey, I'm going to do this, this, and this to try to get my dog to do, you know, to do better. And then you get to an SRS, they don't do anything like that. They do something totally random off the wall. Like, crap, I didn't think about that. So don't worry yourself with the gimmicks and the tricks. Mark and be in control. That's what you do. Um, don't worry about it, Mike. You're going to do great. Your dog's good dog. Um, don't beat her up. Don't be crazy with weird, you know, don't try. You can't train for crazy things. Train your dog to mark birds and go to birds. Yeah. I feel like knowing Mike and knowing his, his dog well enough. I think if he were to have the strategy of I'm going to build the most amount of confidence in this dog's marking and blind running ability, the most, he's going to have better success than teaching it to remote send off a dog stand after watching three marks go down and then run a blind. You know what I'm saying? So Absolutely. Here's, what, here's the advice I'll give you. And it, it's like even the same thing as – running a dog off a dog stand and seasoned. The things that they sometimes make you do at a trial, an SRS, or a hunt test, typically bother the handler more than it bothers the dog. 
you're more worried about it than your dog is. So don't worry about it. You can't do anything about it. There's no way possible to prepare yourself for all, because these SRS judges, and I'm one of them, I judge SRSs, I'm trying to come up with something to give me separation. And I know that there is no box to contain me in for what I can do. I can do whatever I want. They know that. Oh, the only other thing I'm going to add, Blaine, throw ATBs. Right, yeah, throw plastic. And that's my last question I was going to pose. And I don't remember who wrote it. Because I'm not going to, I can't remember if they sent me a Facebook message or te- whatever. You know, there's so many ways to communicate nowadays. But anyway, somebody else asked about the Boykin SRS and SRSs in general. And your buddy, uh, uh, your buddy Mike, Mickey. Mickey asked a question about SRSs as well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jumble this all up in one. All right, so... Someone asked a question about, you know, preparing for an SRS, and it was a Boykin guy, so I'm assuming he's going to Pepper's Pond. It's going to be a great event. I'm, I'm excited about it. A lot of people are excited about it. But um, he asked, you know, when preparing for an SRS the week or two before, are you doing more, you know, big white coat scenarios? Or are you doing more hunt test scenarios? Uh, great question. Um, for me, my dogs are doing both almost on a daily basis. On the week or so before a SRS, most of my setups are going to incorporate both things in one test. So I'm going to have two or three holding blinds out in the field where we're going to throw marks, or maybe we're going to run blinds past. There's going to be a couple white coats way deep of the holding blinds, and we're going to get a dog out, and we're going to run all of those marks in conjunction with each other, going to morph the two into one. Um, cause you're not going to be able, if you are not running long white coat setups, you know, every week of your dog's life, you're not going to go for one week before an SRS event and teach your dog to pick up field trial marks really well. That's something that's, you know, taught to them over the course of years. And so incorporate them into your setups if you're going to throw four marks tomorrow, have two good long white coat marks and a couple short, you know, hunt test marks. Maybe throw the long white coat mark and a hunt test mark as a double. Pick up the short bird and then go punch out there and pick up the big bird. Um, don't and, – and for the Boykin people running this, um, I'm actually – I have a conference call tomorrow with Shannon and Matt, the two coordinators of the SRSs about the event. And, you know, some things we're discussing for you guys to kind of be, you know, rest at ease a little bit. We're not going to throw there. I'm, I keep saying we. I am not in charge of this event. I'm just helping them put it on. Um, but they are not going to run all age field trial marks for our dogs. Because they know the dogs that are coming to it. These are Boykins. We don't need to run an all age field trial. They're going to run white coat marks, but they're not going to be like a real AKC field trial are going to be. So don't stress out too bad about it. Have your dog confident in going long. You know, know that you can handle your dog on every single mark if you have to. Don't, don't change your training up too much other than the point Bob made on the last question. Throw plastic. Okay? Throw lots of plastic. And don't. 
if if I have a dog running a, an SRS, they're probably not going to see a duck in training for three or four weeks before the SRS. They got to hunt plastic and want plastic, and you know that's the the best advice I can give you. Throw lots of plastic and and don't stress over the things that you don't know what's going to happen. It's great advice, man. Great advice. Well, we appreciate another phenomenal episode with the pterodactyl. Blaine Tarnecki, Hudson River Retrievers, North Georgia, Lula, Georgia, Brown Dog Academy. It's patreon.com forward slash Brown Dog Academy. If you enjoyed the show, if we answered your question, if you want to be a part of our community, it's uh, patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters as well. Uh, Blaine, thank you for joining us at last minute. We had a little bit of technical difficulty, but I think we're locked in now. Anything else you want to add before we say goodbye? Nope. See you at the next hunt test. Yeah, buddy. I'll see you at fall line. Yeah, baby. Hey, patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. It's a community that we built to help you and your dog on your journey to next duck season. There's videos that don't hit YouTube. There's happy hours where we drink a couple beers and I answer your questions every other week. And by the way, if you join between now and September 1st, you're entered to win a hunt with me and Kevin and other Patreon members. So jump in. Let's go. Join the community. We appreciate it. And we'll see you there. Hey listeners, Nick Larson here, host of the Bird Shop Podcast. As fans of this show, you may be interested in the conversations on the Bird Shop Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting, from upland birds and their habitat and conservation to the shotguns, bird dogs, and gear used to pursue them. Whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more, I interview a wide range of guests, each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share. If you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation, please consider subscribing to the Bird Shop Podcast today. Thank you.